0: This is the Less Life Well Podcast, a podcast helping you to reach your health and wellness journey, bringing you easy to digest information on current wellness topics. All right, this is the How Do You Live Life Well Podcast. I am your host, JM, and I have again back with me, uh, Dr. Jeannie Sykes. Um, Jeannie, I know in the initial episode you told us what your role is at Cone, but could you remind us?
1: Yes, I'm a registered dietitian, and I work at Cone Health Family Medicine Center. I see patients here to provide some nutrition guidance, and I also teach our family physicians, our family medicine residents, about nutrition.
0: Awesome. All right. So this is the second portion of our Well-Being Month um, episodes, and so today we're talking about osteoporosis prevention, Tough as bones. All right, so Jeannie, tell us who is most prone to osteoporosis fractures and how can we prevent them?
1: Well, sure. I think a lot of people, probably everyone, is pretty familiar with this being a high risk for uh, especially postmenopausal women. Um, and in fact, um, in this part of the population, postmenopausal women. If we look at fractures from osteoporosis, they're more common than stroke, heart attack, and breast cancer combined. So um, it's, it, When you look at the statistics, it's a little worrisome because if we assume a constant age specific risk of just hip fracture, the increase in the number of hip fractures in the 50 years from 1990, I guess 60 years to 2050, is predicted to be a 300% increase. And this translates to by 2025, which is just around the corner, um, costs that will exceed $25 billion. Now, wow. those are statistics. You look at the population, that's concerning enough. But probably what's more relevant to people as individuals is that all too often, especially in an older population, male or female, you have that hip fracture, you go into the nursing home for rehab, and all too many of those people don't come out alive. I mean, okay. that is a very serious um, problem, health problem, when you fracture a hip at an advanced age. So we also know that, and this is very common knowledge, people frequently think about, I've got an, get enough calcium, Um, and I need enough vitamin D to make sure my bones can be as healthy as possible. Um, As a dietitian, I want to stress food first, supplements of any kind, but calcium supplements should be considered just as the name uh, implies as supplements to our foods that we eat. And most people are going to need to supplement vitamin D because our historical normal, our usual um, source of vitamin D has come from the sun. And right. so the sun rays hit our skin, and then that sets a whole, a whole process of making vitamin D in our bodies. But we're all heeding the advice of American uh, skin, skin. Can, uh, American, what am I trying to say? The... Uh, American dermatological what all our dermatologists are telling us yes, don't yes. spend too much time in the sun unshielded by either clothing or umbrellas or sunscreen so we're cutting ourselves off from that normal source of vitamin D and so we really need to consume it either from food or supplements and it's not really really widespread in food so That's why it becomes important. I do want to mention here, and this was a systematic review in 2016, suggesting that dairy foods do contribute to peak bone mass as we grow through our adolescent years and into early adulthood. The peak bone mass that we acquire is going to be predictive of how well we do in later years, because once you hit 30, maybe as late as 35, it's all downhill. We're losing more bone than we're building at that point. So um, you don't have to eat dairy foods, but they are just a very abundant and convenient source of calcium if there's something you tolerate, okay. Um, I do wanna point out here for people who don't do dairy, that if you use a milk or dairy milk substitute like almond milk, rice milk, oat, hemp, soy, all of these, most of them are fortified with calcium and vitamin D, but if you do not shake them very vigorously, and I don't mean just give it a little shake when you open it, but every time you use it, then you're leaving all that fortification down at the bottom. That's that sludgy kind of liquid that's coming out at the end. So um, there's one other point that is very important. And that is that only of all the dairy non-dairy substitutes, only soy milk provides a meaningful or similar amount of protein compared to dairy milk. And we'll talk about protein maybe in a few minutes and talk about why that's important to um, actual bone health as well. So um, then I just wanna mention these additional protective measures that are very familiar to most people. I mentioned the calcium, vitamin D, weight-bearing activity is important for optimal bone density and avoiding tobacco. And we can pretty much say avoiding tobacco is what's recommended for optimal health in almost any area, right? Because it pretty much always makes things worse. So- Those are the, what most people are aware of, I think, and and are important to bone health.
0: All right. So I heard you mention protein. Um, What's the role of dietary protein in bone health?
1: Well, okay, so protein is important. Let me mention just a couple other ones before we go back into that a little bit. Fruits and vegetables are also important and I'd love to comment on that somewhat. I mentioned the weight bearing activity and maybe we'll have time to come back to that just briefly. So let me show you this study that's from uh, you know a good 10 years ago, but I love to cite this study because it's, it was such a great design and helps us understand the role of protein in bone health. So they were looking at fracture rates here. And this was using, a lot of people are familiar with Framingham data. It's a cohort that has been followed for many, many years out of Framingham, Massachusetts. And um, in uh, this study, they looked at what people ate for what amount of protein they ate per day and how much calcium they were consuming, both from supplements and from food. And then they, this was not an intervention study, they were just looking at what did people do. And then they followed them for, I don't remember how many years it was now, but these are how the, the protein eaters broke out to what they call low protein eaters or high protein eaters. Now, let me just be clear that this is not, we would not consider this to be an extremely high amount of protein, but that's the way the the numbers fell in this group. And these were elderly individuals. Uh, So if you had a a low calcium intake, averaging about 500 milligrams a day, and you were also a low protein eater, compared to the high protein eaters, you were almost three times as likely to have a hip fracture. So that gets your attention, I think. Interestingly, if you were a high protein eater and you had a high calcium intake, you were only 15% as likely to have a hip fracture. So that suggests protein's important, but it goes hand in hand with calcium. One other study I want to cite. This was from Wake Forest, and it was just uh, reported a couple of months ago in February, 2021. So again, looking at older adults, more than 2000, average age, 73 years. And um, they divided people into the top, the middle, and the bottom third of protein eaters, and this was uh, defined as percent of total energy intake. So those whose intake was at least 15% um, were compared to those whose intake of protein was considered to be low. Now, those with the high protein intake had a high, higher bone mineral density at the hip, their whole body skeleton, and at the lumbar spine specifically. And as they followed them over five years, they saw significantly lower risk of fracture of any vertebrae, so for any spinal fractures. Now, what this translated into at the high intake was 1.1 gram of protein per kilogram body weight. Now, what's important here to recognize is that the low protein intake group in this case was eating 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram body weight. This right here is the RDA or recommended dietary allowance for protein in the United States. So what this suggests to us is actually, maybe this isn't high enough, or at least among people who are say over 65. Maybe Mm -hmm. the conclusion of the authors was that maybe we need to be considering a higher recommended protein intake for people who are older. And, um, you know, this is this is not the first study that might suggest that.
0: Right, okay. So with all the information, what are some other dietary components we need for bone health?
1: So um, sufficient potassium is really important. Um, I mentioned magnesium on this slide, magnesium, calcium, vitamin K, vitamin C okay. um, and potassium, I would say of all of these is maybe 1 of the most important for bone health. Now, you know, I often, uh, Joke with our physicians here that you don't often hear people saying, um, I just went to the doctor. She's concerned about my bone health. So told me to eat more fruits and vegetables. <laughs> now, we Indeed. hear about calcium. we hear about vitamin C. We don't. Right. Have anybody talking to us about what's the protein intake of your uh, protein content of your diet? And we don't have people talking to us about potassium. Let's recognize right. you don't have to just eat bananas to get potassium. <laughs> All fruits and vegetables are good to excellent sources of potassium. But one of the things potassium does is because it is an alk. Well, it's an alkaline substance in the bottom body. And so, potassium helps to alkalinize or counteract the acidity of a high protein diet. And so, if we don't have a lot of potassium or other sources of alkaline, the opposite of acid, coming in through the diet, then the skeleton will serve as that source of buffer to a high acid diet. So, the body. Because it needs to maintain a very narrow window of acid base balance, we call it. The body will pull calcium out of the skeleton to buffer the acidity of a high protein diet. And so you need a potassium, and that does the job for you. You can leave the calcium in the skeleton. We don't need it now for this purpose.
0: Right. right. Now, I
1: just want to point out again, you do not. Want to rely on potassium from supplements unless you have a reason to your doctor prescribes it perhaps because you're on a, a pill that makes you urinate or and you're losing potassium, but only under a physician's guidance, I think should you be on any kind of potassium supplement because it's pretty easy easy with supplements to overdo it's going to be very hard to do that with food, so again food and when you look at these nutrients magnesium calcium vitamin k vitamin c all of those can be obtained through fruits and vegetables um so you know there's there's in my mind of course no downside to increasing your fruit and vegetable intake for lots of reasons one of which is the health of your bones
0: all right awesome awesome so we talked a lot about bones um what is the benefit of maintaining muscle mass, though?
1: Yeah, really important. So that, that weight-bearing exercise that was mentioned earlier.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, we need to do some weight-bearing and strength building. And, you know, it's been since 2008. So a good long while now since our own government put out guidelines that say it's not really good enough to just get your walk-in or your aerobic exercise, but adults should be doing some kind of strength-building exercise at least twice a week. That should be all of the major muscle group. Mm -hmm. So our little skeleton guy here, if all he's doing is some bicep curls with those dumbbells, probably not enough. Major (laughs) muscle groups mean maybe things like squats. Um and by the way i I consider that to be the absolute best single strengthening exercise we can do okay. to make in our independence into old age and think about that squats are what work on your anti gravity muscles they're going to help okay. catch you when you fall they're going to help you maintain good balance fall um, prevention is part of risk prevention uh, or or a big part of preventing uh, risk for bone fracture. So again, if you've been sedentary for a long while, you don't wanna just start with some kind of weight training program that you get off the internet. Please see your physician, get those knees checked out, maybe your hips, maybe your ankles, make sure you can do these exercises. Or if you can't do like, for example, a full squat, where your is going to be down level with or below your knees, then you can do modified versions of these right. like, many of of exercises. So um, weight bearing is going to be important because it helps when we place forces on bone, which strong muscles being used does, then that helps to create uh, more bone crystallization and calcification. So. Really important awesome. to all of these things as much as we can.
0: Yes. Awesome, awesome. So this was great information for osteoporosis uh, awareness month, as well as just for Cone Health's Well-Being Month. Jeannie, as always, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you uh, on the wellness team and on this particular episode, as well as the last one. So if you did not hear or see the last episode, please make sure that you go back and uh, revisit it. It was on the truth about carbs. Um, so this is the end of this particular episode, and we hope that you look out for the next month um, and June where we'll be focused on men's health. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.